Hi, everybody, and welcome to the April 28, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on Colorado's 2018 gubernatorial race getting a new candidate this week. Doug Robinson, the nephew of former presidential nominee Mitt Romney, announced his campaign in a letter to Republican activists on Monday. Patty Cahoon from Westward, despite the famous name lineage, what chances do you give Robinson here in Colorado? Well, I think it's appropriate that it's a quick take because I don't think he's going to last all that long. He's positioning himself as an outsider, but the nephew of Mitt Romney is not really much of an outsider. I just think George Brockler will eat him for lunch. Joey Bunch with ColoradoPolitics.com. He's running as an outsider in a state that Trump lost. So is that, going, is, that, is that tie going to help him or hurt him? Well, that does make him an outsider. I think it will help him because it comes, with, uh, it comes with political infrastructure. It comes with donors. But, but I have to disagree with Patty. I think Walker Stapleton is going to eat him for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Just depends on, 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 on uh, uh, who's at the table. Speaking of who's at the table, Ben Gelt joins us, public affairs consultant. When you look at the Republicans in Colorado, uh, it's... A little divided. They, they, they're good about fighting amongst themselves. You see names like Stapleton. You see names like Brockler. Probably your, your top two. That's not discounting everybody else, but those are getting the most press. An outsider candidate like this, who does it give the most problems for? You know, I think it probably doesn't cause anybody too much of a problem, uh, regardless of whose nephew you may be, Romney or Bush. Uh, I think there's a reason why we have front runners, and I think we can expect to see Stapleton and Brockler raise most of the money and suck up most of the oxygen. Michael Fields joins us, State Director of the Americans for Prosperity Colorado. Uh, Michael, how far right do you think Colorado Republicans are in wanting, where, wanting their next gubernatorial candidate? Well, I think when you look at it, they want to win more than anything. And so I think, you know, a conservative will probably win the primary, but it's got to be a conservative uh, that can play to the center in some way. And so I agree that probably the front runners right now are Treasurer Stapleton, are George Brockler. And I think, you know, one point is this, this race isn't going to lack money, uh, you know, especially if Jared Polis gets in on the Democratic side. There's going to be a lot of money. Uh, and I think really nobody knows at this point what's going to happen. Well, let's get to it. The aftermath of the 420 celebration last week kicked off a series of marijuana and city park-based headlines this week. Denver Mayor Michael Hancock announced he will launch, quote, a deep dive review of the city's event permit conditions after seeing the state of the Civic Center Park after the 420 event. Meanwhile, Governor Hickenlooper was optimistic after his meeting with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. With only, and then of course we have the, uh, I just want to be sure I get to it here, neighbors of Overland Golf Course are trying to fight a scheduled festival that may bring up to 60,000 attendees later this summer. Patty, now that Governor Hickenlooper has met with Attorney General Jeff Sessions, they've talked about marijuana and how it may or may not be uh, uh, looked at here in Colorado. Is it finally time for us in Colorado to exhale? Oh, I think there was plenty of exhaling last week. I <laughs> left the studio and drove down Broadway, and you get to Civic Center, 
and you're like, wow, no good is going to come of this because at one o'clock the line went around the block. They're going in one little entrance so slowly, and you're like, no one's going to get in there by 420. This is not being run well. And as we saw, the 420 rally was not run well. They're going to be, now we're seeing the repercussions of it. Hancock and the Parks and Rec Department were already looking at some of the park rules. This will be part of it, though. But clearly, if the 420 rally happens again next year, there will have to be some changes. And, you know, it is a celebration because, in general, Colorado's rollout of recreational marijuana has been pretty flawless. I mean, there have not been the problems people were predicting. As Hickenlooper <laughs> told Jeff Sessions, you know, we aren't seeing youth increase. In fact, what we're seeing is old people increase, that it's senior citizens old, uh, going for it, which he told Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. So um, it was great that Hickenlooper took the time and Jeff Sessions gave him the time. Sessions says they're looking at the Cole memo, which has really been what they've been following, the federal government has been following since 2013, which is the uh, states that have legalized marijuana, prosecuting people in those states is a very low priority. And we will hope the Trump administration actually looks at what's happened in Colorado, where it's been almost all upsides, and will just leave this state and other states that have passed it alone. Joe, it seems now the focus is less about the state and marijuana, more about how cities are handling it. And in, we used to talk about it, it was just about the, 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 the stores or shops, where you're going to do. Now it's more about the events. And I think not only do we have the 420 event, which is a, still a big deal, obviously, in the city of Denver, but you've seen the city of Denver trying to break up to more festivals. And while it's not a pot-related festival, the one in Overland Park is still about uh, entertaining and not so much uh, protecting neighbors. What do you think the city of Denver needs to be looking at when it sees it, it's growing, but is it more about entertainment or is it more about protecting neighborhoods? Well, I think the city of Denver is at a crossroads in, in the big picture. You know, pot was cool, but, you know, Facebook was cool, and now you're getting friend requests from your grandma. So, you know, pot's <laughs> kind of headed down that same road. But I think Denver has to ask itself, does it really want to be known nationwide as the potropolis? You know, I remember 20 years ago, I read a headline in Westward about Glendale that said, welcome to Titty City. Now, every time I go to Glendale, I think of Titty City. So does, does, does Denver want to be known nationwide as the place where people smoke pot and trash parks? It was just a couple of weeks ago that we had the uh, right to rest bill in the legislature that, you know, basically outlawed urban camping bans to let homeless people stay in the parks. Well, parks are public spaces, but we're getting to a point where we're deciding which public we're going to allow into the spaces. So... I, it's a lot of pick and choosing, and it raises a lot of constitutional issues. Ben, you've advised a lot of city council members with uh, the help of their campaigns even beyond that. As they look at all these issues, whether it's the permit regulations of the 420 event or Overland Park Golf Course, everything in between, what kind of advice do you offer? <laughs> well, I think if I were talking to the mayor's office, I would tell them that they ought to tread lightly. I think it's very dangerous when you get into a precedent of picking and choosing who can come into a park. I think when you look at the 420 celebration, it's almost laughable that they are having such a hard time dealing with it. I remember when I was in high school, which was over 20 years ago, when the same celebrations were occurring, granted at a smaller scale. But it's not like there's some surprise that, oh, there's going to be people at Civic Center on 420. So the fact that they can't be better prepared for something that has been going on for literally decades 
is laughable. And w then when you consider that they're going to do this enormous festival at Overland Park over the objections of the neighbors, it, it makes you scratch your head, frankly. How is it that they are not prepared for a smaller scale event that's been going on for decades, and now they're saying, let's do a much larger event, even though the neighborhood doesn't want it, even though every single type of idea like this has been flatly rejected. Let's just put the for sale sign up and forget about it. So I, what I would advise is to tread lightly. I think that the citizens of Denver are getting pretty tired of constantly seeing for sale signs around their public land and, and you know, the ability to use our infrastructure. So, you know, I'm not sure what to advise them. Maybe don't run for office again. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, as you look to uh, what we've heard from Governor Hickenlooper and his meeting with Jeff Sessions, of course it was just the meeting with the two of them, it seemed pretty optimistic. I think folks were a little bit worried about it over the last hundred days or so. Uh, at least have a little bit of relief, but do you take long-term relief from what we've heard so far, or is the jury still out? I think the jury's still out, and I think even if you watch the, the interview that, that Governor Hickenlooper had, he wasn't fully saying, yeah, you know, uh, Sessions is on board with what we're, we're doing here. And I think stuff like the 420 event, uh, you know, really puts Colorado under a spotlight. Um, and anything that looks negative uh, when the Trump administration is not uh, really supportive of legalized marijuana is not good for the state. Uh, the Denver Post ran an editorial earlier this week that I thought was really good, talking about, you know, in regards to this 420 event, that sometimes uh, some of these people, you know, it's time for them to grow up a little bit. And marijuana has been legal here for three years. Uh, this shouldn't be a protest event anymore. We have to worry about safety. We have to worry about the trash pickup. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I am glad, though, that Mayor Hancock uh, said that this deep dive, uh, you know, into the security, into the trash issues won't just be about this one event. It'll be kind of broad across the board. With only two weeks left in the legislative session, Republican State Senators Tim Neville and John Cook plan on introducing a bill that would address Colorado's road repairs. Unlike the much-debated House Bill 1242 that died on Tuesday, this measure would use existing sales tax revenue to fund highway widening, safety improvements, and expanding capacity on various Colorado roads. Joey, you're our man at the Capitol. Where's this bill headed? down the tubes. This, this has no chance. You know, they've been negotiating this bill. The best they can hope for is to force Democrats to the, to the uh, negotiating table. You know, this bill has been in negotiation for eight months, and then it, it passed in the House. The House Democrats were able to hold their coalition together and pass it, but with a tax increase. The Senate Transportation uh, Committee lowered the tax increase, but then some members of the Senate Finance Committee said it wasn't enough. We, we want no tax increase, and that's well and good. But where were they eight months ago? Where have they been for the last past the past eight months to get this as part of the um, the conversation? You know, now we've got less than two weeks left in the session. I don't give them much chance. You know, past, what the the Tim Neville and John Cook are proposing is all the money come from the existing state budget, and that's a non-starter for House Democrats. So. I don't know where they can possibly go from here. But as you're sitting in traffic jams for the next year, think about who you're going to vote for in 2018 because there are going to be millions of Coloradans doing just that. But I think Joey brings up a good point because I, I share his cynicism that is for in, in 10 days is, is not at least likely to pass. Miracles happen, but not all the time. Everybody wants better roads in Colorado. They want it not just in Denver. They want to see it improved in, in Pueblo, in Greeley, and all over the state. But we can't really agree on how to do it, and nor can our elected leaders. It just ends up being gridlock. At what point do the people who are involved in that gridlock pay that price? 
Well, I mean, maybe their wheels will fall off when they're running into all these giant potholes that keep seem to getting uh, to be getting worse. You know, it, it strikes me that it's possible that Tim Neville and John Cook don't actually want to improve our roads, and that maybe some of the folks on the on the budget committee don't want to either. I think uh, the last bill. You know, all of this stuff, whether it's transportation, education, health care, or, or what have you, requires some compromise. I think as long as Senate Republicans are unwilling to move an inch, uh, you can fairly characterize their position as not just entrenched, but as, frankly, disinterested. So I don't see a, a near-term horizon for solving this unless Republicans are willing to, to spend a little money and, and raise some revenue. Michael, if this bill doesn't get out of the legislature to Governor Hickluber's desk and he doesn't sign it, it's very likely we'll see a very similar proposal on the ballot. The Independence Institute has uh, a ballot proposal that looks a lot like this bill. I don't think it's, it's that unrelated that there's a, there's a connection there. If this doesn't get out of the legislature, do you think Coloradans will still have the opportunity to decide on this particular way to handle the issue? I think they could. I mean, obviously, it depends on what the Independence Institute, uh, you know, if they move forward or not. It also depends on if the contractors move forward with their uh, sales tax hike uh, on the ballot, too. Uh, you know, they got to get a lot of signatures. They have to go out and, and uh, you know, do a lot of work in order to get it there. But I think, you know, this bill shows that Republicans are working on this issue, that they do care about this issue. Um, and really, it falls in line with what Coloradans outside of the Capitol actually think. The only recent uh, public polling that we saw on this showed that 70 percent of Coloradans wanted to fix the roads. I don't know what the other 30% are doing, but, um, you know, that same poll showed that 57% didn't want a tax increase. And so, really, that's saying they want legislators to go to the budget that they have, $28.5 billion. It's gone up $1.5 billion over last year. Uh, and really, the legislature only spends 5% of the budget on transportation. So, this is a bill that forces that discussion. While it doesn't have a good shot of passing, for the reasons that uh, you all said, uh, at least it keeps the discussion going and it, and it keeps the focus on transportation. Patty, do Coloradans uh, of all stripes need more pain before we'll think about paying more for roads? Well, we're going to get more pain. The only thing that makes the traffic on I-70 and I-25 at rush hour look good is the traffic jam of legislation that is now hitting the legislature with eight more days to go. I mean, the budget is supposed to be is going up for a vote on Monday. It's supposed to be approved on Monday. Here's this Hail Mary move. It, I don't think it's going anywhere, but neither are we when we get on the highway. So Joey actually has a good idea. We could sell anti-legislator bumper stickers, the people who haven't been able to get off the dime on this and come up with a solution. Put it on the bumper of the car ahead of you, car behind you, and get some good campaigning done over the next year when you're stuck in traffic. I'd like to see out of all the different Colorado license plates I have, the one that the legislators get saying that I haven't fixed roads yet. Kind of, that's, that's, a, that's a nice addition. The United States District Court Judge William Oreck issued a, a, issued a temporary ruling on Tuesday to block President Trump's uh, from withholding federal funding from so-called sanctuary cities. Judge Oreck noted that the president overstepped his powers following the Jan his January executive order tying federal funding to immigration enforcement. In response, President Trump stated, once again, a single district judge has ignored federal immigration law to set a new immigration policy for the entire country. Ben, as you look at this, I understand that um, this ruling might uh, embolden cities to think that, hey, the issue's over. But it's a temporary ruling, and there's a lot of room between this and the uh, final judgment. When you see Denver and Aurora as, again, so-called sanctuary cities, you only have, there's a various definitions of it, should they feel emboldened by this decision? 
Emboldened, I don't know. I think that it's fair to anticipate more um, action from the executive on this issue. So I, I don't think that anybody should feel like this has been resolved. I do think that it's important for um, cities like Denver, cities like Aurora that have significant immigrant populations that 